0: Hi, and welcome to Bread. In Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he sets out five vocational gifts for the building up of the church in the kingdom of God. Evangelist, pastor, prophet, teacher, and apostle. It's our conviction that every single one of us is called into one or more of these. They're not personalities, but our personality undoubtedly plays a part. What they are is the call of God on your life. Now, Jesus is, of course, the perfect combination of all five. So it makes sense that having worked out our particular call, we look to and learn from Jesus in order to grow into maturity in our particular one. So for the next five weeks, we'll be looking at how Jesus is an example to us of the perfect evangelist, apostle, teacher, pastor, and prophet. Amen, you may be seated. Hey everyone how's everyone doing? Good? Great. Um, If we haven't met before, my name is Raul and I am thrilled to be here with you guys. Um, We are continuing our series on calling. If um, you missed the last couple weeks, those are online. We are looking at the primary callings that Paul mentions in the letter to the Ephesians. Paul says that Jesus gives, Tavia, (laughs) Um, in the letter to the Ephesians, Paul says that Jesus gives the church, apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and pastors to the church so that we may be built up. God doesn't want us to just be stagnant, he's got a vision for your life, for my life, is that so that we may be built up. And we're giving these so that we can mature in faith and so enjoy the fullness of life that we have in Jesus. These are main callings. We can be one or more of these. And our hope is that here at Bread um, we can each live into those because we all benefit when we do. One thing that we believe about the kingdom is that this is a place where everyone gets to play. Not everyone has to, but everyone gets to. And the more we play, the more we get glimpses of our callings, because these are meant to come out as we gather together in community. These aren't things that we do in isolation. I mean, you can try to be an evangelist on your own, um, speaking to the mirror and see how that turns out. But for the most part, these are meant to be in community. This series is about looking at Jesus's example so that we might see what the perfect pastor, prophet, evangelist, and apostle looks like and so that we can grow up in him. And today, we are going to look at Jesus, the pastor. And as I speak of this, as I speak of how this relates to us, I invite us to think not just about the office of pastor, But the ways that we may be pastoral, you may not be called to be in the office of a pastor in the working for a church sense, but could you be called to be pastoral? Let's look first to Jesus and how he is the perfect pastor. Um, Les is going to do the reading for us. Let's welcome him up. Uh, John 10, 11 through 17. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. When the hired hand sees the wolf coming, he leaves the sheep and runs away. That's because he isn't the shepherd. The sheep aren't really his. So the wolf attacks the sheep and scatters them. He's only a hired hand and the sheep don't matter to him. I am the good shepherd. I know, I know my own sheep and they know me, just as the father knows me and I know the father. I give up my life for the sheep. I have, I have other sheep that don't belong to the sheep pen. I must lead them too. They will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Amen. Thanks, Lice. And so the term... We're looking at Jesus the pastor. The term pastor is Latin for poimen, meaning shepherd. And sheep are the most frequently mentioned Bible and most frequently mentioned animal in the Bible with over 400 references. There are over 100 references to shepherds. The Bible um, is filled with people who were living in a agricultural society. They were farmers. Um, Well, ours is one that is built on uh, technology. It is an industrial society. And the image around shepherds is mixed. They can be repulsive and, in some cases, romanticized. Shepherds were often looked down on because their job meant that they lived among among the animals and didn't really participate in the religious life of the community. They were considered outcasts, but in spite of this, they were romanticized and looked up to. Shepherds were symbolic for leaders and rulers. Moses is said to have led God's people out of Egypt like a flock. Elsewhere, the prophet Jeremiah attacks leaders who have mismanaged God's uh, people and have led them astray from the writings in the ancient Near East to Greek epics, shepherds were a common figure for rulers. But among God's people, it wasn't so much about ruling as it was about caring. And since the days of ancient Israel, there's often been a lack of good shepherds. I mean, you don't need to look that far back or think that hard about examples of shepherds and pastors who haven't always lived up to uh, the standard. But this scene that I'm about to read out of Matthew is a scene that Jesus um, approaches and is faced with a shepherding problem. Jesus had just been doing all of the ministry stuff the teaching, the preaching, the healing, all the powerful and compelling stuff that you think of when you think about Jesus's ministry. And I mean, if we think about it, the disciples must have been thrilled to have been there. If they were on TikTok or Instagram, you can imagine them on their phones going live. But people from everywhere would have flocked to Jesus to see him heal people to Uh, make make sense of God's plan in the world and preach about what God is like. But in the midst of all of this, in the midst of people getting healed and people being raised from the dead, Jesus looks up and Matthew records this. It says, now Jesus saw the crowds. He had compassion for them because they were troubled and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd." And this is a direct reference to Numbers 27, where the people had just come out of wandering in the wilderness. They're hopeful, they're optimistic, they are dreaming about the promised land and everything else that God has been telling them about. And Joshua is about to succeed Moses as the new leader of Israel, and that is when we get this. Numbers 27, it says, May the Lord the God who gives breath to all living things appoint someone over this community so the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. And so do you see what's happened? The thing that was meant to be avoided, this thing that was supposed to um, be, uh, this thing that was supposed to be avoided is the very thing that Jesus is faced with in Matthew 9. This was the result of centuries of infighting, division, disagreement on worship, foreign occupation, and waiting on the Messiah who'd give them everything that they'd promised. Jesus looked out and he saw that the people were not shepherded. And even when all the powerful ministry stuff was happening, there was still something missing. The people are not being shepherded. The people were troubled, they were helpless, they were aimless and confused. And in LA, you don't, really don't need to go far to see that. Have you ever been aimless at a grocery store, for example? That's me every time I go. Um, the other day, Ashley asked me to go get frosting because I wanted a funfetti cake, just for nostalgic reasons. And I had no idea what I was looking for. I wandered the aisles. I was going in and out of each aisle looking for frosting and I was shocked to learn that it isn't refrigerated. Did you guys know that? You would think somebody would put the frosting in the refrigerated items with all the other dairy, but that's not the case. But if you've ever been aimless at some point, whether it's at the grocery store or on a much larger scale, then you may be able to relate to what Matthew's saying. Because life has a way of spinning us around. We're thrown in different directions. We make unwise choices. We follow paths that are set up for us that don't produce the results that we expect. And we can be wandering. I was at a local breakfast spot getting coffee the other day, and I was, over, I was listening to this conversation that the barista was having with the person in line, and the barista was asking about how their day was, how they were doing, and this woman responded, and she said, well, my husband has a girlfriend, but I have a dog, so I think I win. <laughs> and... I heard that, and and as funny as it was in the moment, it, it actually crushed me because I realized that ordinary people are carrying so much beneath the surface, and LA is great at teaching us to cover it up with smiles and humor and makeup, but below the surface, we can be just as Matthew writes, troubled and helpless. We may be troubled, but trying to keep it together, aimless, but acting okay. Wandering, not in the poetic tumbler sense, but in the my life is in crisis sense. And the observation that is given in Matthew is this, that people need shepherding. And Jesus arrives to be the shepherd that we all need. You and I need shepherding. Shepherds brought care and guidance and provision and protection to their flocks. God is often described as a shepherd. If you're familiar with Psalm 23, then you may be aware of this. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. And in our passage that Les just read, Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. Jesus was actually being satirical here. He was speaking to the religious leaders in this scene, and he's criticizing them, saying, guys, I know you're shepherds, but I'm the good shepherd. And then he lists the shepherds' basic duties. He lists the minimum responsibilities. And if we swap the shepherding imagery for that of a parent, here's what this would have sounded like. I won't put myself before my child. If someone threatens my child, I will protect them. Guess what else I'm going to do? I will know my child's name. And get this, they will know my name too. And so what Jesus is doing is he's saying, guys, the bar is really low, and I'm going to raise it. He is the one who will do for us that all, all that ta- uh, Psalm 23 says. Jesus is the ideal shepherd. He is the shepherd that you and I can give ourselves over to because he promises that he is good. And the word good here in the Greek literally means beautiful, perfectly ideal, attractive. It's a beauty that inspires others. And so how is it that Jesus beautifully shepherds? What does that look like? There are a few things that I want to draw out and highlight from this passage about how Jesus does this. Firstly, Jesus pastors us with care. Jesus is drawn on a familiar image from his day. In L.A., the equivalent of a good shepherd is a good dog mom. They're probably just as enthusiastic as shepherds were about their flock, but I can't imagine that shepherds were getting their uh, sheep any puppuccinos. The Mediterranean shepherd would spend all day with their flocks. They would have led the sheep to begin grazing at sunrise, and then to water by 10 a.m., then to shaded areas by uh, midday to avoid the heat, and then drinking and grazing again until evening. And throughout this whole day, the shepherds would have been on the lookout for any threats, any thieves or bandits or wolves. And in the evening, the shepherd would return the flock. And Jesus said that a hired shepherd, a careless shepherd, will likely not stick to that routine. But a careful shepherd will guarantee that the flock is looked after. A careful shepherd will make sure that the sheep are fed. A careful shepherd won't abandon the flock. What Jesus is saying to us here is that he isn't careless. He is careful and he is full of care for you. He won't abandon those he cares about. Just as the shepherds had in mind the whole day for their sheep, Jesus has in mind your whole life. He knows what's next. He knows what's coming. He knows what you need. And so you don't have to be afraid because he isn't going to forget about you. So we can give him our worries. We can give him that thing that keeps us awake at night and say, Jesus, I trust you. You have my day and my life in your hands. He is the good shepherd who is full of care. So let us again trust in him. Secondly, Jesus pastors us with knowledge. Jesus says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. And know in English is pretty broad. You can say, I know Lady Gaga and I know Final Cut Pro. It's often hard to determine the degree and extent of one's knowledge And so we need to clarify, well, how well do you know? And when Jesus says this, we also have to ask, well, how well does Jesus know? And for this, we're turning to Spanish because it is a much richer language. You all know I'm right. In Spanish, there are two words for know. There is saber and conocer. Sabed is what you would use to refer to uh, what, where, or how something is. But conoced is what you would use if you're referring to the intimacy between you and the closest person in your life. Conoced is to have a profound knowledge coupled with direct experience. And so here's how the Spanish translation puts John 10 14. Yo soy el buen pastor, or I am the good shepherd. Yo conozco a mis ovejas, y ellas me conocen a mí. Dios te conoce. He knows you very well. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows you better than anyone else. He has profound knowledge and direct experience. If you've ever had interest in a friend who, um, if you've ever been, if you have ever had an interest in a friend's friend, either romantically or however other else, um, you always go to that friend for direct, uh, for a direct, um, guys, I'm blanking on what I'm saying here. (laughs) What is going on? sorry. You always go to that friend for direct um, insight on what your friend may be like, what that friend, that person that you're interested in may be like, because there is that direct connection. There is that direct relationship. And so you can get the inside scoop. You can ask, well, what is their family like? What food do they eat? Are they gluten-free? Are they vegan? And these are all things that you need to know if you have any interest in someone. Getting the direct reference, getting direct insight into somebody. This is what God has on us. Direct insight, direct connection, direct knowledge. He knows your strengths. He knows your weaknesses. If we're keeping him at a distance because we we're, because we're, are hiding something from him, then guess what? You can just give up because he already knows. God has profound knowledge of us. He knows what our weaknesses are, and yet he still calls us. He knows that we won't always get it right, and yet his love never changes. God's profound knowledge of you, his conocimiento of you, doesn't diminish his love for you. God sees it all, he knows it all, and yet he says to us, you're the one I want. You're the one I've called. So let us give up on trying to hide the mess and mistakes from God, and let us allow his care and compassion to drive us into his calling. And thirdly, Jesus pastors us with guidance. When I first started coming to Brett, I was pretty uh, confused. I wasn't really sure about what I was doing. I felt called to work in a church setting, and I was really doubting this whole thing. Um, I was sick of my job at the time, and I really just needed some direction. I had no idea what was next. I graduated college. I got a degree in biblical studies, a BA and BS, and I was convinced. (laughs) You guys got that? (laughs) I was convinced that school was behind me. I wasn't academically inclined. I preferred to just learn the hands-on way. And at the time, Alice, who spoke uh, here a few months ago, was considering going back to school to study theology. And she heard about Fuller Seminary and this preview day that they do where they bring in prospective students to ask questions and hear from some of the faculty. And she invited me to go, and I thought, okay, sure, I'll go along with you, not because I'm interested, but just because, you know, I've got nothing else to do. Um, And so I thought, I'll check it out with no intention of ever attending, because remember, school was behind me. And as I was sitting in this auditorium watching, uh, listening to this presentation, um, hearing about how many, you know, what the tuition is or, how many uh, credits you need to graduate, I I just remember it being very boring. I don't remember anything from that presentation. But as I was sitting there and watching this, I really felt just deep within me the words, there are no shortcuts. And the tone of what I heard was firm and compassionate. There was an authority and grace behind these words. And and I felt I felt that it was God bringing to my attention what I was doing, that I wanted the fastest way, the shortest way to my call without doing the necessary internal, formative, and in this case, academic work. Jesus guides us in ways that we don't always understand. He guides us gently. He nudges us where we're supposed to go when we're lost or wandering or aimless, he promises to come get us and bring us to green pastures, to still waters. And I think there may be some of us here that are afraid that we've missed our call. We may have felt that ship has sailed. We may feel that we have lost an opportunity to exercise our call. the good news is that Jesus never misses us. He's never too late. When Jesus calls you, that call doesn't go away. God is always inviting us to live into what he has for us. If we find ourselves outside of it, the good news is that God is always going after those on the outside. That goes for us, that goes for everyone. And here in this passage, he says this. He says, I have other sheep that don't belong to this pen. I must lead them into. In other words, I'm going for those that are not on the inside. He wants to guide us so that we can live into our call. He wants to guide us so that we can live into the fullness of life that he has for each and every one of us. But the question that we have to ask ourselves is will I lead myself or will I allow Jesus to guide me? We tend to lead ourselves to places of comfort and pleasure. He leads us to places of growth and faith, which at times can be sacrificial. I know we don't like that word. But he won't lead you off a cliff. He won't lead you to destruction. He will lead us to places that will require faith. He will lead us to moments that require us to trust him. And that's where it gets exciting. Because that is where we're driven into our call. If it were easy, we wouldn't need God. It can be scary to live into your call. Whether it's pastor, prophet, teacher, evangelist, or apostle. It can be scary because it requires faith. I was so encouraged by the word that Nellie shared last week um, that God is not boring. God is the most fun person in the universe, and he's the one who will give us all that we need to live into the things that he has for us. And so let us allow him to lead, and trust that he is the good shepherd. And as I wrap up here in a bit, I want to ask, so is your primary calling a pastoral one? Pastors primarily care for people. Like Jesus, they're full of compassion. When they see someone hurting, they feel it deeply. They want to bring uh, comfort and encouragement and support. The greatest skill that uh, somebody who is pastoral has is listening. So naturally they are warm and generous and welcoming. They have, they love to have other people over to their homes because there they can care for them in a very practical way, whether it is playing uh, card games or serving a meal. They want to build relationships that are deep-rooted, relationships that have longevity. They want everyone in the church to know that they're loved. They can get anxious if a church grows too fast because they're nervous that people will get lost in the cracks. They like small, warm, intimate meetings where everyone knows everyone. Pastors get angry when people are mistreated or neglected. Spiritual abuse is something that they are hyper-aware of. In a, if they find themselves in a toxic environment, they will be slow to leave because they want to care for the people that are being mistreated. They see themselves as representatives of Jesus as shepherding and want to reflect him best they can. Their vision is to be examples to people of Jesus' love and care so that others can follow him. They inspire people to give themselves fully to Jesus and to his beautiful shepherding. And so if that's you, hear what Peter has to say. This is 1 Peter chapter 5. He says, Therefore, I have a request for the elders or pastors among you. I ask as a fellow elder and witness of Christ's suffering, as one who shares in the glory that is about to be revealed, I urge the elders, pastors, like shepherds, tend the flock of God among you. Watch over it. Don't shepherd because you must, but do it voluntarily for God. Don't shepherd greedily, but do it eagerly. Don't shepherd by ruling over those entrusted to your care, but become examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive an unfading crown of glory. First, notice what Peter doesn't say. He doesn't say, tend your flock. He says, tend the flock of God, because pastors don't own people. People belong to God. You and I belong to him. To tend is to care for. The literal translation here is shepherd, and here's how Peter instructs it to be done. He says, first, do it willingly, not because you're being forced, not because others are pressuring you to do it, not because um, your mom dreamed that was for you, not with a bitter attitude, but tend to God's flock from a place of willingness. Do it because you want to please him. Secondly, do it eagerly, meaning don't do it for gain whether it's influence, or money, or special favors, do it not from a place of greed, but a, from a place of generosity. Shepherd spontaneously any chance you get without, any, without seeking anything in exchange. And lastly, do so ex, as examples. There, there is a degree of power that comes with uh, pastoring. And Peter says, don't abuse that power. Don't rule over people. Don't manipulate people. Instead, rely on being an example. Demonstrate how Jesus is a good shepherd in your own life. Because the call here is to be examples, not bosses. And I wonder where Peter got all this from. Because there was no seminaries. There were no, courses. He says this, he says, I ask this as a witness of Christ. In other words, he's saying, this is how Jesus did it. He's saying, I saw him. I lived with him. He laid down his life willingly. He was never greedy. He didn't go around looking to see what he can get from people. Jesus didn't rule over people. He didn't force anyone to do anything. His power was in his example. He pastored people gently, with care, with compassion. He was a friend. He set the example of what a good pastor ought to be, and Peter is saying, guys, just look at Jesus. Look at how Jesus did it. He is the chief shepherd. He's the one leading this. He's the one leading bread. We're just participating in what he's doing. He promises to reward those who care for his people. So are you pastoral? Our church is in need of you. This is one area that we need help with as we continue to grow. We've got the prophetic teaching, apostolic, and evangelistic sides covered. But we need more pastors. We need more people who are pastoral. And as we continue to grow, we'll need people to be cared for. And so we want to invite you to tend to God's flock, tend to God's people. If I can have the band come up, we are going to sing a song, and then we will pray for people. And as we think about this, consider consider your place here. Often our callings are revealed, um, our callings are clarified in community. They're clarified um, by the Spirit. Sometimes God will put an impression on you. If any of this feels exciting, I'd pay attention to that. And as we sing a song, just invite the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what it is that he's asking of you. Whether it's this pastoral calling or any of the others that we've talked about. Invite the Spirit to come and show him what it is your place is. Because everyone has a place. The, the kingdom of God isn't about a certain group of people doing their thing at the front. It involves all of us. All right, well, let's sing a song.